Hey, Jared and Jordan are in from Potterhorn Guns and Archery, and they have brought in a bunch of great firearms. We're going to go through them in a minute at show and tell time. Also on board, Second Amendment supporter Cherie Tolson Reich. She is with a state legislator. And uh, I'm going to kick this off. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say what I think is, uh, it's kind of hard to, to decide this, the best for last. But I'm going to start with the SIG uh, P365 that you brought in. Yes, this is a pretty little gun. Um, this is their new Rose edition. So they came out with this, well, came out probably a year, year and a half ago. Of course, it's like anything else. It takes a long time to actually get uh, the firearms. This is the first one we've had. First one yeah. we had. Yeah, I think it's the first uh, one we've I had. I think the holdup was the gun bolts that co it comes with, yeah. with the, dig the, the digital uh, touch pad. They had a hard time getting a hold of them. So it comes with some cool stuff. This is a brand new one. It is your basic you know, P365. It's been out for years now. I carry one. Uh, my wife carries one. Awesome little guns. Um, this has got the macro slide on it, so a little bit longer of a slide. Um, it is on the XL frame. XL frame. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. on the XL frame. Um, <clears throat> still really small. You know, if you haven't held a P365, the nice thing about it is it fits a lot of hands. I'm, I'm a fairly large hand individual. Uh, this fits my hand really, really well. That's why I carry one every day. Um, still has 12 rounds capacity in a very small frame. Um, because more bullets is 100% better for when you need them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, no 100% better. No so, substitute. It, no. It, it was kind of designed in in by uh, Jerry Mikulik's daughter. She uh, put her name on it uh, and helped design it and made it look the way it does. It is super awesome. So are you, wait a minute, Jared. Are you telling me that her hand... And Jordan's hand are about the same size? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm just curious. I'm wondering whose hand is big or small uh, for their frame. But anyway. <laughs> You're offending me. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel like this is a safe space. Um, so, yeah, this gun is awesome. I said it fits my hand really well. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll give it. Gary, he's letting yeah. me ha handle it. I see this, yes. <laughs> now, I did go out uh, this spring and bought me a Sig Sauer 9mm. Yep. Yep. And it fits really good. It just It's one of those guns you pick up feel really good. The Rose has a few, uh, it, it, they call it Rose Gold, but the accessory, the uh, let's see, it's the magazine release, the safety, and the trigger are a little bit different color. The rest of the gun is a, is a black gun, um, just like what we're all used to. Um, it does have the cutout for being able to put an optic on top. Um, it has a ported um, slide, not a ported barrel, mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, it is a neat, neat gun. I said th it took us about a year to get this one in. Um, re re really cool guns. I really like the P365. I know I talk about a lot just because I do own one. And I've shot, I've shot thousands of rounds out of that thing, and so is my wife, and so are my kids. And everybody just handles it really, really well. It's not their favorite thing to go shoot because it's a small gun, so you know repetitive shots on the range start to get to your hand a little bit. But uh, but they all shoot it really, really well. Look Gary, at the I, in the grip. Yeah. I have to tell you, it's pretty. It, <laughs> it it's got the rose color on it and the word rose with a little rose in the middle. So very, very, very pretty. <laughs> very subtle. It's not over yeah. the top on it. No, no, it's not girly at all. No. I, I'd carry it. <laughs> but it's it's under $1,000. In fact, yep. way under $1,000. Yep, yep. Uh, so that is a nice piece. Yeah, it comes with uh, two mags. It has the gun vault with it that's rechargeable, so they don't have to ever have any batteries for it comes with dummy rounds so you can sit there and practice loading it functioning it uh, and being ready when the time is is near yep. you know. it's a neat little the, package 
<coughs> the uh, Smith governor. I, there's this resurgence, and I'm really surprised by it, but I, I know that uh, friends of mine like Scott Van Kirk and others have really gotten into revolvers. <laughs> the revolvers are coming back around very yeah. hard right now. Yeah. So the and the governor, which said we brought in the Smith and Wesson governor, um, is an awesome. You know, it's a it's a big gun. It's a it's a big gun. Of course, it only has a two two and a quarter inch barrel. Um, but uh, this thing will shoot the uh, the four ten, the forty five ACP, and the forty five Colt. Um, of course, the ACP is a, a rimless cartridge, so it has moon clips, is what they call them, um, that 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 will hold all of your rimless cartridges in there. So you can shoot three different things out of this. And let me tell you, I've shot these before. A four ten definitely barks when you shoot that thing uh, out of a fairly light, large but fairly light uh, uh, gun. But uh, we used to call these, oh gosh, you know, snake charmers back in the the eighties and the nineties, way back in the day. Uh, when uh, when they had a few of these different types of things out, and they were great for that for using the four tens, but uh, it'll shoot all three. This is a brand new gun, and of course it's a Smith, so it it's just put together well. It feels good. The cylinder turns so smooth. The trigger action is great on it. Um, great little weapon. We sell that to a lot of the hunters that are going to going out west doing stuff like that. Um, they don't want to carry a big automatic, so they carry this, which is still thinner framed than your automatics and. Plenty of knockdown power in a forty-five long Colt. It's a sweet-looking gun. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, uh, I'm just hooked on semi-automatics. But I'm okay. going to have to go out and uh, start shooting some revolvers <laughs> and see what I think of them. I, it's been so long. I don't. I can't even yeah. remember the last time I shot one. <laughs> and there's there's a pretty factor about them that we don't see. Uh, just like looking at cars from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, they just bring back a different era of production and mechanics that you don't see in modern firearms not to say that modern firearms aren't pretty but most of them we've just made them super functional and kept the pretty out of it so you look back at some of the revolvers with the finishes and the wood that's on them and the way the wood stain and the graining of it and you just look at it and it just reminds you of a <laughs> of a simpler time well is there any more dependable firearm than a revolver it really doesn't doesn't usually it jams a lot less often. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, you can definitely break them, but uh, yeah, it doesn't uh, doesn't require a uh, a lot of action. Almost everybody can shoot them. They're just low capacity. That's your biggest that's your biggest fault of a revolver. But man, they are simple. Pick it up, pull the trigger, it goes bang. All right, uh, let's move on. There's a a Sig 1911. And we all know how I feel about 1911. Mm, you love them. <laughs> yeah, this is a nice. This is a this is a very pretty one. It's a Max Michelle uh, edition. That's their captain of their shooting team of Sig shooting team. Um, this is a nine millimeter uh, version, so it has got a lot of little bells and whistles on it. This is a full size frame. You've got uh, extra high sights. Sometimes they call those suppressor ready sights, um, so that you can you can put a suppressor on it. But these are just nice extra high uh, sights, adjustable for. Looks like we adjustable for windage and elevation on the back. Um, thicker grips. You have a nice uh, thicker grips with more texture on them, uh, which is really nice on these. Some of the 1911s, at least for me, I'm a, I'm a sweaty guy. I've also shot with blood on my hands and things like that. It becomes very hard to hold on to this stuff in those conditions. So this has a nice texture that I think would be easy to grab a hold of. Uh, extended magazine release, and I mean, it's nice. You can really get to this magazine release because if you've got smaller hands, that's a problem in 1911s for mm -hmm. a lot of people. Um, <clears throat> 1911s and Glocks and stuff like that's hard for smaller shooters to reach it, but you're going to reach this one. Um, anybody can reach this thing. Flat, uh, flared magazine well, that's fantastic. Helps you find that so your reloads are a lot faster because it helps guide that in. Um, and it also helps maintain a, a good firm grip on the firearm because you've put basically a tang down at the bottom as well. 
So stainless frame, uh, regular nitron finished uh, uh, slide. Just just a great gun. Ambidextrous safety and yep. large safety releases on it is just a you workhorse know, I, of a gun. <laughs> if I if I can just jump in on Jared here on the uh, ambidextrous uh, uh, safety, I wish more manufacturers would would uh, do that and cater to those of us who are left-handed. Yes, wrong-handed. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. and it's the same way even on that. that <laughs> wrong. Whoa, whoa. It, nothing even, happened. <laughs> it's even the same way on that P three sixty five. Sig does a really good job on a lot of that stuff, making ambidextrous safeties on a lot of their guns yeah. for the left-handed people in this world. Pe- pe- people are they are doing it more and more and more and more. As as almost every new model that comes out over the last few years is ambidextrous now. And they're slowly supplanting the old models and adding it just because, uh, heck, I, I shoot 50-50. Just about everybody out there that's serious at shooting shoots at least 50-50 right hand, left hand. Um, back when we were training, we, we, we did enough left hand that even in our scenarios we would run, we'd end up with that a right-handed guy like me with a right-hand holster. would end up with that gun in our left hand, and we'd have to go hands-on and do something. And we'd look for that holster on our left-hand side. That's, that's how normal everything became. And then you're like, oh, crud, I've got to switch back to my other side. Uh, put it over there, but uh, ambidextrous is becoming more and more and more common. All right, I'm saving the best for last. Not only the price, but the brand and what it is. And we'll do that in just a few minutes on Gary on Guns. Welcome to Gary on Guns. Jared is in with Jordan from Potterhorn Guns and Archery. Give him the address, uh, one of you guys, I don't care which 1915, one. 1915, Paris Road, Suite 103. <laughs> uh, just so you know where they're located in Columbia, Missouri. And uh, Cherie tolson Reich is with us as well. Uh, it's show and tell, and I've saved what I think is the best for last. <laughs> um, it is the much-hated-by-the-left AR. Give me some details. It's a Smith and Wesson, and it's only like six and a quarter. Yeah, it's a so it's their new uh, FPC. It's it's a folding uh, nine millimeter, sixteen inch barrel. It's not really an AR. It's kind of designed off their pistol frame, but it's got a sixteen inch barrel. It's threaded to where you can put a muzzle brake on or suppress it down the road if you'd like to. Comes with comes with se- uh, a seventeen round magazine and two twenties. So it's a really great, great little foldable gun that you can put in a backpack, take with you backpacking out in the wilderness, and it's compact. Anybody can shoot it. It's not going to have a, a whole lot of recoil to it or anything like that. Nice but, and lightweight. Yeah, uh, super e- light to move around. Yeah, it'd be a great little backpacking if you wanted to throw something else in your in your hunting backpack or things like that. What sure. I love, Jared, it's got there. You've you've got a. a tag on there made in the usa with the american flag yes yes that means a lot to america yeah one thing smith and wesson's tried and true about i don't want to throw water on this but jared how many rounds did you say those magazines hold the one of them is 17 the other one are 20 oh that's just too much oh yeah terrible terrible this one this one says 21 Oh, oh my! My fault. Oh, oh my word! Twenty one. What are 21. you people? Sorry. You're, you're <laughs> insane. Uh, We're the efficient. nice thing about it is all the magazines can be held in the stock buttstock of it. That way, you're carrying everything on that gun, and you don't have to worry about putting them in your pocket or anything like that. So they made a they designed it very well. Yeah, we're seeing kind of a resurgence in these little pistol caliber carbines. Uh, Henry's come out with their can't. Can- Homesteader. 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 Campfire stuck in my head. It was an old, the camp rifle was an old Marlin. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing a little bit of resurgence in these small, lightweight, simple uh, 
um, pistol caliber carbines. Kind of, kind of neat. The Keltec Sub 2000s coming back around hard again. Yeah, it's co- cool little guns. That is really, really neat. I like that. And you know, the, one of the advantages to doing something like this with a nine millimeter is it, it is the the round that most people carry. Whether they're doing a Glock or an S and W, whatever, they're almost almost everybody has nine millimeter. You don't have to go out and buy a whole bunch of different kinds of ammo. No. <laughs> and it is uh, one of the first ones, when we do have our ammo shortages, it is one of the first ones to come back around, since it's a NATO round. So, you know, I, I think the, the lesson to learn on the 9mm is uh, buy as much ammo as you can. <laughs> <laughs> Before it happens. Yeah. Before Stockpile it. it. We have cases. I think we even have case quantity sales right now. We've got a couple pallets of uh, stuff sitting out. Do but, you really? You've got case quantity? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, we've got uh, we got a ton of that stuff out, so it's a good time to come grab that. Don't wait like everybody else does. We wait till we go. Oh gosh, we're having an ammo shortage, and we try to go grab it. So we even got case quantities on twelve gauge uh, dove low grounds right now too. So. Good time to come buy some cases of ammo and store them in your dry uh, climate controlled basement. Yeah, not the garage. Garage not uh, good for ammo. Garage is not good. Can't leave them on the floor in the cement. <laughs> no, not, no, not great. Ninety uh, percent of them will still work, but I'm looking for a little bit higher of a success rate than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking hundred percent or nothing less. That's right. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, Carrie Sloan is going to be with us. Uh, she is with CrimeResearch.org, uh, talking about women and self-defense. Uh, she's written a piece over a town hall about this. She uh, opens her, her piece talking about uh, 64-year-old Carolyn Williams, who was in her Hartford, Connecticut home uh, on 911 with the operator when her uh, boyfriend uh, broke in. Uh, she's yelling into the phone, he hit me again, stop it, stop it, he has a weapon. What happened to her? Well, we'll find out, and uh, we'll check in with Carrie Sloan uh, and do that in uh, just a few minutes. There is a story, we've got it up at our Facebook page, Gary on Guns, about a, uh, a Texas vehicle thief. Apparently, uh, this guy comes out of the mall and his, his truck's gone. And he finds it. Uh, the owner of the stolen uh, vehicle uh, drives around the mall and finds the truck with two people in it. And... What he does, he said, uh, they show up, they find the vehicle, two individuals, male and a female in the vehicle. The owner of the stolen vehicle gets the driver and the passenger out of the truck at gunpoint. Uh, the owner, the, the guy that uh, uh, owns the truck, notifies the police. The suspect in the stolen vehicle was seated by the rear tire of the vehicle, so at some point... The, the car thief, uh, who is now being held at gunpoint by the owner of the vehicle, produces a weapon from his waistband and shoots the owner of the vehicle. The vehicle owner returned fire, striking the alleged thief, leaving him deceased in the parking lot. Uh, kind of a fairy tale ending. Good news, uh, the owner of the truck survived. But let me, uh, let me ask Jordan, because you're former law enforcement this is you. You come out of the mall. Your truck is missing. You find it around the back of the mall. Two people sitting in it. Do you hold them at gunpoint? Do you just call the police and stay hidden? <laughs> that's that's a really tough one. Most likely, I'm going to call the police first if they're just sitting there, um, and at least get them on the on the way and notify of 
who I am, what I look like, and what I'm wearing. Because if I know my firearm's going to come out, I still want, if I've got this luxury of time, which normally we don't have, but I have that luxury of time, I'm going to let them know what I'm wearing, what I look like, and that I will be armed. Um, pulling them out at gunpoint, yeah, per- maybe. I mean, if the circumstances take me down that road, sure. Um, the biggest difference is I always carry restraints on me, too. Uh, it's part of my, my little loadout of things. You need to have... Uh, oh, you kinky fellow, you. <laughs> no, and they're finger cuffs. And they work <laughs> fantastically for these little positions because they fit in a magazine, a single stack magazine holder um, that I've got back there. And I've got two sets of them. Uh, because we know from law enforcement that, man, you have someone at gunpoint, that's great. But the more time they have to sit there and not really under control yet, the more time they have to go, man, this is getting bad or feel more comfortable that you're not going to shoot them and to go do something or try something else. So you want to get them in restraints as fast as possible. But uh, pulling someone out, yeah, if you know it's your stuff. If other people aren't going to be in danger, I, I don't really want to have to shoot someone over a car. That's just not where I'm at in my life. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. That's just not where I'm at. But, uh, you know, what are they going to do? What's they going to do to the next guy? What's what's going on? And all those things do go through my head. So I have no problems with uh, with doing that. But I would try, if, if you think you actually have the time, call the police, get them on the phone, put them on the speakerphone. Um, make sure you let them know that you are what you look like and what you're wearing so that when they arrive, there's less of a, a possibility of confusion. Yeah, so if, if you're lucky, the police get there before anything ha- transpires. Yeah. But if you think they're going to leave... Yeah, I, I don't I don't think I'd have a problem with doing it. I don't see a problem with doing it. I'd, there's so many other factors. Like you said, there's what's in the background, uh, how many people are around, what time of day is it. If, if I think there's people behind them because you know, you're in a mall parking lot, there's got to be people everywhere. And that's really going to reduce me using a firearm to stop a, someone stealing my car just because I know where bullets go. I know how bad that happens. Um, obviously, he got them out without any of that happening. If he'd had restraints or uh, if the police had been able to get there quicker. But I, I don't know how quickly this transpired. Was it? 30 seconds after he went down? Was it six minutes after he sat down? You know, I don't know any of those facts, but there's nothing wrong with doing it. It's just a crowded mall parking lot. Man, it's just probably not. I'm not going to accidentally hurt somebody else to stop someone from stealing my car. The female passenger with the alleged thief was uh, also struck by gunfire and is in critical condition. (laughs) Uh, The driver, meanwhile, reported to be in stable condition and has received medical treatment as well. Um, He's trying to recover his property, uh, police said, uh, describing the vehicle as a Ford truck. I guess it would depend on who you ask whether he did the right thing or not. Um, I think he did the right thing. He didn't force this guy to pull his gun out of his waistband. Uh, He didn't force him to steal the truck. Um, And, and, you know, my father used to have a saying, you play with a bull, you get the horns. (laughs) Uh, and, and apparently, <laughs> the truck thief was playing with the bull. <laughs> you got to pay to play, and yeah, I, I play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, all right, we've got a lot of other uh, firearm news, uh, but first, uh, we're going to have uh, a conversation with Carrie Sloan. She's with CrimeResearch.org. On Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us on Gary on Guns. Uh, Jordan and Jared are in from Powderhorn Guns and Archery. And uh, State Representative Cherie Tolson-Reich, who is a, a gun-toting uh, state representative, she is with a Second Amendment supporter. Uh, the story is Carolyn Williams in her Hartford, Connecticut home. She's on the telephone with a 911 operator. And she's yelling, he hit me again. Stop it. Stop it. He has a weapon. 
What happened to her? Well, we're going to find out because Carrie Sloan is with us uh, from CrimeResearch.org. Carrie, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Uh, So what happened uh, to Carolyn? Well, as I'm sure that many of your listeners can probably safely assume, she was murdered while she was on the phone screaming for help uh, (coughs) while she had a protection order from um the from the local court system so the protection order isn't really protection is it no not at all we i mean they're absolutely useless pieces of paper and i can give you you know just off the top of my head you know three or four cases but there's thousands if if not honestly countless cases across the country um just in the past five years alone where women have been um, murdered by their abusers um, while under a no contact or an order of protection from the court systems in their areas. It's pretty, it's pretty frustrating, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, her assailant, her ex, uh, Logan, um, yes. it, he apparently had violated this protection order, and it was, because of his criminal background, illegal for him to own a gun to begin with. Gee, one wonders how with a Nix check he did that. Um, right. But he did. Uh, he had a sawed-off shotgun and a pistol? Yes. And he, yeah, and he had been um, previously uh, convicted and was a prohibited person um, served and for domestic uh, assault as well as other crimes. But he um, uh, served no time in those previous, for those previous charges as well. So the court system not only failed Carolyn Williams, they'd felt, you know, years prior by allowing this man back on the streets knowing that he was a violent criminal but clearly just making him a prohibited person was going to solve the problem in the eyes of the court and of course the state legislature uh let me ask uh, jordan a question your former law enforcement uh have you seen these uh, uh, orders of protection uh successfully protect people i mean yes in a generalized question like that sure it, it does work sometimes when the bad guy was not prepared to murder yet and they do something they say something we get to take them to jail now of course law enforcement's uh, the police side is out right we put them in jail now it's completely up to the rest of the court system on what occurs um but yeah I, we, we had definitely arrested people for violating orders of protection but if somebody is is intent on killing yeah you're not going to get there in time it's just it it's just not going to work it's just not going to work even if you've got a five minute response time Five minutes is eternity, and five minutes would be a really quick response time, honestly. So, so Carrie, what's you know what's missing in this picture for protecting women who clearly don't, uh, as a rule, have the upper body strength to combat a guy? Um, what's the solution here? Well, often you know, I being a domestic violence victim when um, my ex. Uh, abuser hit me for the last time and we were sitting in the in, um, after his arraignment and I'm standing in front of the law enforcement officers uh, black and blue with fingerprints around my neck where I was picked up and thrown across the room um, they asked me if I had a place to hide for three to four five six days um, after he got out because that was when the violence was most likely to escalate because clearly it was my fault that he was in jail because I had the audacity to call 911 um, and so these are, this is one of the things that, that, uh, abuse victims, particularly women are often told, we're told to hide, we're told to take hand to hand, um, uh, martial arts, 
um, uproot our lives, move, move our children, um, all of these things. But the one component that is truly the most effective equalizer for self-defense for a woman is a firearm. And it is a rare case where women are, are told to get a gun. And what's even more concerning to me as, as, a, as a self-defense advocate for women and a firearms instructor is sometimes law enforcement will just tell these ladies to get a gun, but don't go any farther to explain that they should probably get some training. Because just because they have the gun in their hand doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to operate it properly or not have it taken from them and used against them. So I would love to see, obviously, more law enforcement um, encourage women to uh, uh, embrace firearm ownership, but also to, to get the proper training that they need as well. Go ahead. Matt, I'm sorry, I just want to interject for half a second. And yes, yes, 100% to everything that she is saying. Um, I can only speak to my experience about somewhere between 30 and 40% of the victims that I dealt with over the time. And we did make the recommendation of, you know, yourself firearm. That's an option. Don't, don't, don't let yourself be a victim. Um, and, and use these firearms as needed. Uh, around 34% of them couldn't do it because they had a felony conviction for something. Uh, most of the time, it was like a fraud. It was a, you know, wrote a bad check for $500 at some point in their pat, distant past. Sometimes it was assault, but usually it was some kind of simple felon. And and that turned off the ability for those, uh, those ladies, and I didn't know what to do for them um, at that point. But that was only, I mean, 30 to 40% is a high rate. Uh, but that's just in my experience. I'd say about every three to four out of ten that we dealt with, um, we, they couldn't. We, we tried, and they could not do it. And I, I really I felt lost and helpless on what to tell them to do. Because once I take the guy to jail, I'm, I, my responsibility is over. I, I can't do anything until he comes out and does something again. It's silly. Um, there's obviously a lot of holes in what this does. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a place for a young law enforcement officer when I was in my 20s. You, you'd feel helpless and not able to do anything. And it was it was a terrible spot, absolutely terrible spot. You know, Carrie, I hadn't thought of what Jordan just said, but, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's a welfare deal or a bad check or yeah. whatever it is, uh, and they can't get, they can't defend themselves. Terrible. Yeah, and, and I want to I want to clarify something. Um, in whatever particular jurisdiction he worked in, that that may have been the case, but that is not the case all over the country. And I remember standing in front of these cops completely bloody and embarrassed and looking at them saying, I'm not, you know, this stereotypical, what I had in my mind of the stereotypical abuse victim. And the law enforcement officers looked at me and, and very empathetically, and they said, this happens to everyone across the country. It just happens to be that more likely you're, you, you hear more calls for it. It tends to be in, you know, more urban areas, higher populated areas. But that one in three women at some point in their life will experience domestic abuse. And um, just conversely, because we do advocate for men as well, one in seven men um, will, all, will also, uh, and you hear even less of those cases. So for, for any of the ladies that are listening to this, please understand that, um, you know, you are, this is, this can happen anywhere, anytime to any of us. And um, that it, it is unfortunate that we, that it probably does happen a little bit more in, in lower income, higher population um areas simply because there's more pressure higher stress um you know and in the in these areas on people but um this can happen to to anybody anywhere at any time and it is un and it is unfortunate that 
laws like. I mean, that's that could be <laughs> almost a, an, an entirely other uh, episode to talk about felons and, and guns. But um, it's, I mean, what are we supposed to do? I mean, the fact that I was told to hide is absolutely absurd. Yeah. And and that is most most if we're just being honest, right? I'm not trying to get political, but this is a pretty political topic. Uh, you're talking about most liberally dominated states or cities are telling women to hide and or um, just to call the police. Um, and because at the end of the day, what this really comes down to is politicians love using domestic abuse victims for gun control. They love to make a, a women and children abuse victim, domestic abuse victims and children are the two biggest pawns for gun control. And they love to make us martyrs uh, to justify their existence as politicians and to receive federal funding from the state uh, or from the from the federal government, the states, you know, through the Violence Against Women Act. Uh, that's where you see a lot of this gun control um, coming under the guise of saving abuse victims comes from. Cherie Tolson Reich, uh, our uh, state legislator that is with us, Second Amendment supporter, concealed carry permit holder. Uh, Cherie, when did you start shooting and when did you start carrying? Uh, when Missouri passed the concealed carry law, I took the class, you know, what's it been, a couple of decades or more ago. But I can tell you, since I've become an elected official, your guest is spot on. I mean, I'm I'm just now, not you know, not only agreeing with everything she says, but in, in my term as an elected official... Um, I've had an assassination threat. Uh, we all remember the gun in the library that made international news. I had like 300 liberal crazy people threatening our lives. No law enforcement around. And when I called 911, I said, I'm a concealed carry permit holder and I will defend myself. Um, I, everywhere I go, um, I have to look over my shoulder and uh, I do have a target on my back. And, and I deal with a lot of... Um, Orders of protection, women, um, I work in the legal field, and uh, at the end of the day, it's just a piece of paper. That doesn't mean that piece of paper is going to stop a bad guy. If you just turned the radio on, Carrie Sloan with us, Crime Prevention Research. Uh, we got to take a quick break, but a suggestion, uh, we'll, we'll talk about suggestions here in just a moment. It is Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. And uh, I am joined by uh, Jordan and Jared from Powderhorn Guns and Archery and Cherie tolson Reich. Uh, she is a, a state legislator, Second Amendment supporter. On the line with us is Carrie Sloan, and she is with Crime Prevention Research. Uh, that's, uh, you know, John Lott, who's, by the way, with us last week on the program, talking about women and why aren't female victims of domestic violence told the best way to protect themselves. Uh, Carrie, I'm going to go a little bit further on this. Uh, you don't have to worry about just, you know, domestic violence. Uh, women, uh, as I pointed out earlier in the program, having uh, generally not the upper body strength uh, to fight off a man, can be assailed anywhere, can be a complete stranger, uh, and, and, and can be a victim at any time, practically. So instead of waiting you know for the bad guy or waiting for your violent uh, uh, spouse or or significant other go out and get the training right now start now make sense yeah i mean but first sometimes we you know in my experience um working with abuse survivors i i run my own organization nonprofit organization that helps women um, with self-defense as well 
Uh, sometimes we have to help women understand their lives are worth saving before we can teach them how to save them. And, uh, and there's many, many reasons for that. Uh, obviously, abuse being one of them. Uh, a lot of women living in what they perceive to be safe neighborhoods. Um, they've, never, they've never had to experience violence in their lives or, or seen it firsthand. Um, and or in, in some cases, and, you know, more conservative, I live in Georgia, and, and we see a lot of, oh, my husband will, will take care of that. Well, your husband isn't with you 24-7, and if your husband is, that's a whole different conversation uh, to have. So there are many reasons why women have this mentality that they shouldn't have a gun. Obviously, one of the most prominent being we are taught to uh, actually, to be honest, were weaponized. Women um, in general have been weaponized against their own best interests um, um, to support legislation that um, takes away their ability to defend themselves um, across the country, and we see this. So I would love to see every woman taking these classes, but sometimes we have to help them understand that nobody is coming to save them. Uh, I think 2020, 21 were great examples. That's where we saw, you know, through 2012 through uh, 2022, we saw a 115% increase in uh, new gun purchases by women. That being said, how many of them are actually carrying them? Only 30% of uh, women still make up the entire number of concealed carry permit holders. So women will come and they'll, they'll go purchase a gun, but oftentimes they don't follow through with training. Or what concerns me even more is these women will go and they'll take a concealed carry permit class, but then they still don't carry because uh, they're still not comfortable doing it. So the real question where this lies is where do we get these women? How, how do we get them to understand that this is a process that they need to go to to become comfortable to carry that firearm as well as being proficient with it as well? And I think there's a there's a disconnect um with with those two things and and there's a lot of factors why but at the end of the day helping them understand nobody is coming to save you right we facts and logic are something that is the you know the cornerstone of the more conservative leaning particularly pro-gun side of the argument well as somebody who has worked with women for 30 years in the beauty and fashion industry uh someone who lived in a very liberal state washington state um as well as california and um, and and I've confronted Kamala Harris and her minions and, and such. I, I, I can tell you facts and logic don't work with these women. You have to hit them emotionally. You have to push that emotional button, that mama bear button or, or whatever you want to call it, and have them understand that this can affect them personally. And once they realize that this can affect their personal life or, God forbid, their children, then you start to see a change in the mindset around women and how they'll begin to react to self-defense. And sometimes you have to kind of baby step them, uh, for lack of a better term, into firearm ownership itself. So setting a foundation of, of helping these women understand nobody is coming to save them and having them wrap their brains around that first is, is typically the most effective step that we've that my organization has found. And obviously Dr. Lott uh, concurs, which is why he's brought me on with his organization to help women get that, that information and that education out there from not just logic, but also helping them understand in an empathetic way that your life is worth saving and what steps do we need to do to help you start doing that. Carrie, by the time uh, these women that you deal with um, are on your doorstep, um, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's it's too late to to 
preemptively teach them. How do we reach out, those of us in the firearms industry, how do we do that? Do we, do we run ads? Do we do uh, uh, some kind of uh, public service announcement? Uh, how, do, how do we reach out to women like you've dealt with who are reluctant to carry a firearm? Well, um, that's kind of a rabbit hole, sir, that I'm not sure. <laughs> that, uh, in fact, Dr. Lott and I have just been talking about this the last few days. There's a lot of ugly, ugly uh, comments um, and bad information that goes out. Um, social media, of course, being the worst offender of that, um, that really can be intimidating to women. Um, I've been very vocal about that um, and, and how, you know, every comment that we read on social media, you and I and and your guests may dismiss it because we're more familiar. But how many women that are looking for resources are seeing some of these things and they're seeing condescension or lecturing or, um, uh, God forbid me use the M word, but misogyny or chauvinistic comments out there that will absolutely deter a woman who is looking for resources because they don't know where to go. Commonly where they're, you know, they're going to Google or they're going go to go to Facebook or some sort of social media. So we really have to be cognizant of everything that we do surrounding guns um, and, you know, instructors really taking the time to sit down and, and understand the mentality of abuse victims is, is huge. And, and that is something that we don't see a lot of. Um, and, and no offense, I'm not trying to be, I, I, I'm accused of being a man hater a lot when I say this and I'm not a man hater. Um, but please understand that um, a lot of men, well, I know what I'm doing. That, that just that, that, type mentality can really turn a woman off, especially an abuse victim who who may be being stalked at that time, and she's desperate to find these resources, and it can turn her off. So we really have to focus on um, the approach and, and how we're presenting information. Um, one of the things I love to say is we don't need another pink gun designed. We don't need another gun designed right. for women. Carrie, Carrie, I've we only got a few. Carrie, 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 i got to interrupt you. I've only got a couple of seconds left. If there's a woman listening to us right now, what's your website? Uh, you can find us at crimeresearch.org or read the female. All right. We got to run. Thank you for being with us, all of you. Uh, whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your life. You make it happen. Seize the day. Carpe diem and Gwen, baby, honey, I am coming home.